and welcome to this week's episode of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I am your host, I am the Big Recon, and today is Monday, August the 24th, 2020. And the best part about today is I'm on vacation. Uh, my first week off since, you know, last year, so going to take advantage of it, and we've had a lot of content so far. We had the Subway Series preview followed by my episode on the Row 7 podcast with Alex from out in Chicago. Uh, I said it on Twitter, I'll say it again. One of the best guys I've ever talked to along with Tone when it comes to Major League Baseball content and knowledge. These guys know their stuff. And I'm going to have him on again as we've hit the halfway point of the uh, current baseball season. So here's the deal tonight, folks. I promised it last week. I pushed it back to Sunday from Thursday. It is my 2020 AFC North preview. And look, a lot of stuff has come out of this division in the last few days. So um, I took a few minutes today, I wrote some stuff down, I'm going to start bottom to top on who I think is going to win this, uh, where they're ranked as far as the teams go, and then we're going to make some picks and see who's going to win this thing. As always, The Big Recon on Sports is a proud member of the TimeSkew podcast family. We can all be found on TimeSkew.net, and with football season coming, these guys are the preeminent podcast for fantasy football anything they have previewed every single division and have broken into different uh position groups great stuff if you're a huge fantasy football person uh i'm gonna play at some point this year so i'm definitely gonna take what the boys of time skew have to say and let them know i'm listening to what they think is gonna happen with the 2020 football season depending on what it is So let's start at the bottom of the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals. And of course, this year the Bengals had the number one pick in the draft and took Ohio boy Joe Burrow with the number one pick, the Heisman Trophy winner, all-world quarterback from last year at LSU. Um, I will say this again, he did not win the starting job at Ohio State. Um, Look, Burrow had an amazing season. Was it the weapons he had at LSU? Very much so. Was it the new offensive coordinator? I think that was the big move. But Joe Burrow's a really good quarterback, and there's a reason Urban Meyer didn't let him out of Ohio until he was basically a graduate transfer to LSU and played right away. Um, Take that back. I don't think he was a graduate transfer. I think he was a transfer and got the rider to play. But either way, played two years at LSU, and in the second year, he wins a national championship going undefeated. Can't beat it. Was an easy number one pick in the draft, as if you watched my live draft reaction with Frank from Clubhouse Sports. You know, we all had him at number one, and there he went. So the good thing about the Bengals with their rebuild is they've actually done a couple of things right, which I know is really sacrilege when talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, but I think they have done a few things right. And the first one is they built a defensive line. Uh, They have a decent defensive line. I guess they torched Burrow pretty bad in a scrimmage the other day. So you look at that and you're like, okay, well, the Bengals have something to build on. What do they have to build around Joe with? Well, they got a pretty decent offensive line uh, anchored by former Ohio State center Billy Price. Um, And he's got some weapons. He has Joe Mixon out of the backfield. He has A.J. Green and T. Higgins when healthy. Now, the Bengals, I think, are going to be in line for the number one pick next year as well. I don't see them doing a whole lot. A lot of the... Talking heads and the pundits have a 3-13 and season. I'll give Joe Burrow one more win. I think he's going to win four games. Uh, I hope one of them's against Baltimore, just because I don't like Baltimore. Uh, but I think Cincinnati will still be in the bottom, but they're building something right. The big question with this year is did they hire the right 
McVay disciple with their head coaching job. I don't think you can get rid of a regime when you bring in the number one pick coming from Andy Dalton. You have to see what he's going to do because this is their guy. This is the guy they waited for. So I don't think they're going to get rid of their coaching staff, but I think the coaching staff may be on the hot seat as early as week eight. Um, I personally don't think they should get rid of him. I think Burrow is a very coachable quarterback. Um, I think when healthy, he's got some weapons that can do some damage. Mixon is a speed burner. T. Higgins, who we saw out of Clemson last year, just coming back from a hamstring. And you get A.J. Green back this year. So the Bengals have some weapons. It really is going to come down to can they protect Burrow and can the rest of that defense play as well as that defensive line, which hasn't been playing bad the last couple of years. Yet to be seen. So now I'm going to jump from the state of Ohio to the state of Pennsylvania where we go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Whose biggest question going into last year was could Juju Smith-Schuster be a number one wide receiver? The answer is no. Which I said last year. Juju was a perfect example of when a number two has an elite number one in front of him. And when he becomes the number one, he's not that good. This is not Chris Carter to Randy Moss. This is not Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. Antonio Brown was outstanding. Juju was not. The Steelers were carried last year by a pair of quarterbacks named Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Wait a minute. Mason, Duck. Yeah, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges to an 8-8 eight eight record. How did they do that with those two guys? Well, we all know what happened in the first game against Cleveland when the Browns handed it to them. And then, of course, Miles Garrett did one of these. Mason Rudolph probably said what he, they said he said. And the Steelers' defense took over from there. T.J. Watt is an absolute beast. The trade for Minka Fitzpatrick was an eff- a phenomenal move. And they still have one of the better coaches in the NFL and Mike Tomlin at the helm. Tomlin has won a Super Bowl. He has been to a couple he is a great coach, and you are talking about a franchise. Now, you want to talk consistency, and I'm going to get to it when I talk about the Ravens, and I'm going to get to it when I talk about the Browns. You want to talk about consistency. I was born in January of 1979 on Super Bowl Sunday. The Steelers won the Super Bowl that they beat the Cowboys uh, in Super Bowl Thirteen. Chuck Noll was our head coach. Chuck Noll was our head coach the day Bill Cowher took over. Bill Cowher was their head coach till the day Mike Tomlin took over, and it has been an enormous amount of time since. That is how the Steelers can stay so consistent and stay so good. They keep the same system. They keep the same philosophy. They just add the players. They've also had some very good drafts. Bringing in T.J. Watt, who was great at Wisconsin, and stays on the field, unfortunately, unlike his brother, was a huge move for that team. When they brought in Joe Hayden from the Browns when he was jettisoned, another huge move. They have molded into the defense, and it's once again a time when the Steelers' offense isn't that great, but their defense is carrying them. Here's the upgrade. They get a future Hall of Famer back this year in Ben Roethlisberger. Can Big Ben be what he was? Well, let's really dive into what Big Ben was. Big Ben was a phenomenal quarterback, who always had a phenomenal running game to go with him or a phenomenal weapon on the outside. 
be it Santonio Holmes or Antonio Brown. Here's the difference. Ben is pushing 40. He is not what he used to be. I don't believe his escapability will be the same. And Ben is coming off a major elbow injury that cost him the entire 2019 season. Who knows what this Steeler team can do with Ben Roethlisberger. But I can tell you this. If they don't get production out of James Conner, who hasn't had a hard time staying healthy, and Ben isn't what Ben needs to be for this offense, it's going to be another 8-8 eight eight season. Because the other teams in that division have done things to get better. Cincinnati drafted the quarterback. They get T. Higgins to go with A.J. Green. The Ravens, who I'm doing next, went stupid in the draft. And got very lucky with who they took. Um, so, listen, the Steelers could be on their way to another 8-8 eight eight season. Or they could be on their way to a phenomenal season where they come back into the upper echelon of the NFL. Now I look I'm looking off to the side. I'm actually looking I'm looking up in the draft. I wanted to look at something because I remember one of the guys they grabbed. Um in the um in the draft. The name Patrick okay. So coming off of an eight and eight season, I see the Steelers maybe getting one or two more wins to be in the hunt for the division title. What that remains to be seen. Let's see who can stay healthy. Let's see who moves on from there. The Baltimore Ravens. I hate the Baltimore Ravens. No offense, Sonny, but I wear these colors, and I lived in Cleveland when the Browns left and became the Baltimore Ravens. So there's a special kind of hate. That, and they have a Harbaugh on the sideline. We don't like people with the last name Harbaugh. I'll get into the Big Ten at the end real quick, but we're going to finish this. So, the Baltimore Ravens coming off a division championship. Lamar Jackson winning an NFL MVP. Listen, they had a great year, and the rich got richer. With the drafting of Patrick Queen to play linebacker uh, in the first round, who he should have never been there. And then, of course, the drafting of my boy from the Ohio State University... O.H. J.K. Dobbins to add to that Lamar Jackson running back backfield with Mark Ingram. What a move. What a move. They got Hollywood coming back. They got a good tight end room. They got a good offensive line. Their defense took a hit recently. Earl Thomas is now no longer a Baltimore Raven. Not that he had a huge impact, but that is a lot of veteran leadership in this defensive secondary that you're not going to have now. What are the big questions for the Ravens? Can Lamar Jackson hold up? He didn't play, practice the last couple of days. He said he had a tired arm. Which, as I said in the MLB show with Alex and the Subway Series preview with Jason, I was a pitcher. I know what tired arm feels like. It's not fun. But here's the difference. You are three weeks from opening day. Your quarterback can't have a tired arm. Especially your quarterback that is still looking at like a run-first quarterback. The Ravens are always built on defense. They've been built on defense since that first Ray Lewis championship. When a guy like Joe Flacco wins a Super Bowl for you, who's now backing up Sam Darnold with the Jets. Listen, if the Ravens' defense can show out like they did last year in a lot of games... 
the Ravens are going to win a lot of games. Here's the difference. The Tennessee Titans and the Browns of all teams figured out how to beat the Ravens. Ravens lost twice in a regular season last year, three times if you include uh, their playoff loss. Um, the biggest loss they had was to the Browns. Nick Chubb ran like crazy. Baker wasn't flashy. He made first downs with his receivers, and Nick Chubb did a lot of the um, a lot of the heavy lifting, and then broke a huge run, kind of like Derrick Henry did in the playoffs. Did the Browns and the Tennessee Titans find the program to beat the Baltimore Ravens? I think they did. I think if you play keep away from Lamar and you make him beat you with his arm, if you can get a lead the last couple years, the Ravens can't come back. Because Lamar is still a run-first quarterback. Now listen, hand to God, Lamar Jackson deserved that MVP. He had maybe the best year of a quarterback I've seen since Cam Newton won the MVP the year that he took Carolina to the Super Bowl and eventually lost to a really good defense. There are only so many teams who can play defense with Baltimore and run the football. Tennessee is one of them. The Browns are one of them. I think if Connor's healthy, the Steelers are one of them. And then, of course, Kansas City can beat anybody on any given day. So that doesn't matter. Adding Patrick Queen to the defense made them that much better. Adding J.K. Dobbins made that offense damn scary. If anybody who listens to this watched J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State, what you saw was the kid who had almost, who's I think second now all time in your rushing yards, to Archie Griffin. More yards than Eddie George, Heisman. More yards than Zeke, all pro. More yards than Biner. More yards than Kevin Mack. More yards than... Everybody except Archie Griffin. Broke that huge run in the Fiesta Bowl. Another thing I don't want to get started on. He is going to be a phenomenal complement to Lamar Jackson. Can the line protect him? Can he have them come back in games? Because if you put the, your, pedal, your foot to the pedal and you start boat racing the Ravens, they can't come back. They can't. It's been proven two years in a row. Two playoff losses in the last two years. And they were down in both of them and had to throw the ball to get back in it and couldn't do it. How big is the loss of Earl Thomas? Mm, I don't know. Was he that impactful in the defensive secondary? Probably not. Is the distraction more of a problem? I think that's where it's going to be. Um... Because now the questions going into the season are not going to be, how's the offense look? How's the defense look? It's going to be, what would you think of Earl? Why did Earl need to go? This is a problem. For a team that has been boat raced out of the playoffs two years in a row after winning division titles, this is a problem. A pretty big one, if you ask me. So now we get to the Cleveland Browns. And yes, this part of the preview is going to be longer than the other three. Because I'm a Browns fan. Um, I did a deep dive into the Browns offense a few weeks ago. So I want to focus on the defense. But there's one problem with that. The Browns are falling apart. They're falling apart. Everybody and their mother's getting hurt. 
just today, two couple days ago, Mac Wilson hyperextends his knee. They're hoping it doesn't need surgery because of the way it's starting to heal. That'd be a great thing because the Browns linebacking core is not that good. Grant Delpit went down today. They think he blew his Achilles out. Well, there's your top draft pick right there. Bye. Or your, I'm sorry, your second rounder. Who was a first round talent. Bye. Because Achilles, we won't see him until next year. You had J.C. Treader is not playing right now because he had his knee scoped during the offseason. Uh, Greedy got helped off the field today. You got Kevin Johnson who had a lacerated liver. What is going Austin Hooper fell on him. The young tight end they got in uh, in the draft. He was hurt a couple of days. You already have OBJ and Jarvis coming off injuries. You have Baker coming off a horrendous second year. What are the things that the Browns can do? Well, the first thing they did was bring in former Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith to play linebacker to go with Sione Takitaki. And in my opinion, they need to go out and get Clay Matthews. I don't know if he signed anywhere. I've been so baseball-focused the last few weeks that I'm not sure if he's still available. But if he is, it is time to pull his dad's number out of the rafters and throw it on him and put him in the middle of that linebacking core. He's a good veteran piece of talent. He is probably headed to Canton just like his old man, or his old man should be. And you're talking about a legacy. Take a page out of the Cavaliers book. Larry Nance Jr. is a Cleveland Cavalier. When I start to break down the draft, you'll see me in my Larry Nance Jr. jersey. Bring Clay Matthews home to Cleveland. It's a pretty simple thing to do. So, Nigel Bradham from New Orleans was released today, and the Browns may need corner help. There's another one. Depending on what's wrong with Greedy. If this is just a tweaked ankle or something, Greedy will be ready for opening night. Um, back to Malcolm Smith. He hasn't been a huge impact on the other teams he's been on. Uh, last time he started was a couple years ago. Last year he was on the um, on the Raiders. But they brought him in. Let's see what he does. I am hoping he is better than what we have in the tank right now. Mac Wilson tweeted out the other day, I, it was either Pro Football Focus or the NFL Network, listed the Browns linebacking core as the worst in the NFL. And that's a problem because they have a really good secondary and they have a really good defensive line. Because guess what? Miles Garrett is back and he's pissed. Miles Garrett could win the Defensive Player of the Year because he's angry. This is not a man I'd want to tick off. But the biggest question going into the season is how is Kevin Stefanski going to fix Baker Mayfield? I don't think Kevin Stefanski needs to fix Baker Mayfield. I think the NFL draft fixed Baker Mayfield. Drafting Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama was the missing piece of the puzzle to a really good Browns offense last year. As I said in the Browns season in review, or the Browns offensive preview, what if I told you you had 2,000-yard receivers and the running back who almost led the league in rushing? You'd say you had a pretty good offense. The Browns had that. The Browns had 2,000-yard receivers, Jarvis and Baker, or Jarvis and Odell. They had Nick Chubb, who nearly won the NFL rushing title, had Freddie Kitchens called his number a few more times in the final game. 
They still have Kareem Hunt. They add Austin Hooper and the kid uh, tight end in the draft. They still have a defensive line anchored by Joby and Sheldon Richardson and Garrett and Olivier Vernon. They still have a secondary with Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, and hopefully Grant Delpit. So what should the Browns do now for depth? I say you bring in Earl Thomas for an interview. Because if you lose Grant Delpit, you need to throw a safety back there who's going to have some kind of effect on a game. And I think Earl Thomas every now and again can do that. I don't think he's what he was during the Legion of Boom days. You're not bringing in prime Earl Thomas, but you're bringing in a good safety. Now, granted, both Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry turned him into a blocking dummy uh, in games last year. You don't need him to be Earl Thomas of five, six years ago. You need him to be Earl Thomas of now and to play if, and to play at a level higher than what you have in the tank. The other big question with the Browns, how long is Baker's leash? As I mentioned in the other Browns episode recently, they brought in Case Keenum, who was the quarterback that took that Kevin Stefanski offense to the NFC Championship game and threw the pass to Stephon Diggs in the Minnesota Miracle. A lot of speculation that if Baker throws two picks, one pick, he's going to be on the shelf. Case Keenum's going to come in. I don't think it's that simple. I think if Baker turns into what he was last year, then yes, he could lose his job. Um... Keenum knows the defense, or knows the offense, excuse me. It's somebody who can teach Baker the offense and make him better. Some of the film I've seen from Brown's camp recently has actually been pretty good. He looks like he's getting his reads down. He looks like he's moving well in the pocket. They ran a couple of play-action plays I saw highlights of, and he was throwing a ball on time and with zip. So maybe we see Baker of year one again. He can't throw 20 picks again. He just can't. So let's do some picks now. Now, I already said the Browns just thought we're going to go 11-5, and five, but that was before the injuries. Um, so I'm going to redo this. And I do, unfortunately, have the Baltimore Ravens winning the AFC North. They're going to go 11-5. and five. I think the Browns finish second, and they get a wild card spot at 10-6. and six. The Steelers finish third. They too are in the playoff hunt. They go nine and seven. And the Cincinnati Bengals will go four and twelve in Joe Burrow's rookie year. Now, for all the haters out there, remember Peyton Manning went three and thirteen in his rookie year. And thirteen and three in year two. Not saying Joe Burrow's Peyton Manning, but we've seen it before. This is going to be an interesting NFL season. I don't know. If it's going to play fully out, I don't know if we're going to get it started on time. There's an issue with COVID tests in the NFL. They've had some false positives, including one given to Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland Browns head coach. Do I want them to play? Yeah, the sports fan in me and the content creator in me wants them to play, but I want them to do it safe. I just went through a weekend when the Mets were supposed to be playing the Yankees, and because of positive COVID tests, they haven't played since last Thursday. Here's where, or last Wednesday, here's the kicker. The Mets now will play two tomorrow, or two on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
two Friday, one Saturday, two Sunday. Six, nine games in six days. That is what this thing has done to the sports world. If they go four and five, five and four in those nine games, I will consider this a great stretch of baseball for the Mets. So tonight I gave you my picks for the AFC North. I told you what I think each team has to answer in order to get things done in the AFC North. But there's one more question we have to answer. Can an AFC North team get to the Super Bowl? Yes, they can. It won't be this year because I think Patrick Mahomes is going to win a second in a row. And I'm going to sound like a homer as I have the jersey and the hat on and you see the logo back there with the big Recon logo on it. But I believe that the Cleveland Browns in the next couple of years can get to a Super Bowl. Why do I say that? Their defense is their defensive superstar is locked up. They have a ton of cap room, which means they can lock up Denzel, Greedy. They can go out and sign somebody. Clowney. I don't know if he signed yet. Honestly, I'm not paying attention to the NFL that much. Clowney would be an answer for me. On the other side of the ball, Jarvis and Baker and Odell are locked up. Chubb, Hunt, Baker, Njoku, Hooper, the kid uh, tight end they got in the draft. You have a great punter, and, a, and Seibert needs to kick field goals. You now have an offensive line. They're putting the pieces together. Let's hope they don't do too much Cleveland Brown stuff and get kicked out. Next week, I will hopefully have another Mets episode for you. I'm going to talk to Tone and to Alex, and we're going to get a live hit, a live hit discussing the baseball season so far as it is. I want to get the Chicago perspective. We're going to dive into what's been going on in San Diego because they're just on. Hinged. And oh, by the way, they've played 30-some games and the Dodgers have won 20. As always, Big Recon can be found on Anchor, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. A proud member of the TimeSkew Podcast Network, we can find on TimeSkew.com. Big Recon on Sports on YouTube, Big Recon on Sports on Facebook, at Big Recon on Sport on Twitter, and of course, Big Recon on Sports now on the Instagram page, uh... Have a great rest of your week, everybody. I will come back to you this weekend, hopefully with another Mets episode. And then I'll get in touch with Tony and Alex. We'll have another live MLB show in the next couple, next week or two. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm on vacation. I'm going to enjoy it. Go Browns!